0: You're listening to Irish Radio Canada home and abroad, and uh, we've featured a few movies and some directors recently in the past few weeks. We're going to continue that trend this week, and we're going to talk about when wire was king, the transformation of telecommunications. You might ask, why would I bother doing something about that? Well, aside from my background a little in telecommunications, because when wire was king, it has an Irish connection. Uh, it has got to do with the transatlantic cable. And a new documentary has just come out and is produced and directed by Jennifer Manor. And uh, Jennifer is an award-winning short documentary. She had zebrafish, Practically People, Transforming the Study of Disease, uh, which was selected for for over 25 films and earned numerous awards, including being named the finalist in the emerging Filmmakers' Showcase at the 2018 Cannes Film Festival. Jennifer, welcome and thanks a million for taking some time.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure.
0: Uh, when Wire was king, and as I did in the intro there, my interest, of course, is that because you took it to Ireland.
1: Yes. What was so interesting is that Ireland was really, was the first point where there was a, a transatlantic cable, which... Um, allowed communications on an intercontinental basis. And, and what the movie's really trying to do is to trace how we ended up where we are today. I mean, if you think about the time, and if I remember correctly, you know, this was the late 1800s when the first transatlantic cables were laid, which was really quite amazing if you think about the, what most technologies were at that time, how advanced that was and how hard it was to lay a cable across the Atlantic. And you take it to the, to today, where um, you know, and there you basically had a a, a, um, a a telegram, basically telegram communications. I don't even think we had voice at the time the first cable was laid. And you go now, and you think about you can have anytime, anywhere communications. Just the amount of time, and you know, that's you know, just a little over a hundred years, Our world has changed so dramatically. And, and part of how we got there was actually building on this original infrastructure, which was largely put in place by monopolies. And then in the mid-1980s, or even earlier in the late 70s, starting to consider, and then in the 80s, whether it was the United Kingdom or the United States or Chile or some of the other countries that were a forefront, who really decided it was time to open markets to competition. And I think it's that change that that really led me to do this movie, which is how did we get from a place... Um, where we started with such you know, basic technology, important technology, and got to a place today where pretty much anything you can think of, you can do with connectivity.
0: Now, when I look at uh, the image of the transatlantic telegraph cable, which shows Valencia from Valencia Island and Waterville and County Kerry mm-hmm. and skelligs um, first of all, Jennifer, did you manage to visit any of these places?
1: I did. I was there this summer, which was fantastic. And they are, you know, they're still remote for the most part.
0: And of course, in Valencia, it is very remote, and that is a beautiful mm-hmm. location. And the cable station is there. And you may have seen that the Irish government has committed uh, a large uh, investment of funds to help bring it back to its original state.
1: Yes, which was wonderful.
0: So. In looking at that image also, I see the uh, photograph and it shows three cables and just what you were talking about, the physical aspect of laying cable across the Atlantic at that time. As I understand it, the tr- initial transatlantic cable had to be laid twice. Initially. That's correct. Right. There was an issue with the first one.
1: Mm-hmm, I believe that is correct.
0: When you went back and saw how primitive and as you say yourself how far we have come and um, it is a phenomenal story of how to run a cable transatlantic and this was literally the sole means of communication between North America and Europe. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And then during the war it would have been particularly important.
1: Oh yeah whether you're talking World War One or World War Two, you didn't really have satellite you anything that went over the air in terms of satellite connectivity until the 1960s um, that brought anything else so the world was fully dependent on cables and I would still say tr- dramatically still is and what's been interesting is traditionally the cables were laid by the monopoly phone companies and over time as competition came you had some other folks walk in and now some of the most um, I guess some of the cables with the with the highest capacity are being built by Google and other companies like that. So the market's really changed, but the need for these cables is still there. Right. And, and the sophistication. Um. You know, we were talking wire in those days. Now we're talking fiber optic cables. So, so there has been a change in technology. But, but it all goes back to the first cable in Ireland.
0: Jennifer, as a director, this is not your first. Um, piece of work in this area and I know um, it's a, a labor, uh, some of these things are come from a labor of love because your daytime job <laughs> is very much involved in behind the desk and negotiations and stuff like this. What got you into movie making?
1: So um, two things, so, so my first movie um, was um, so this, let me back up, so When Water Was King is my first full length motion picture um, and I chose to do it um, actually um, A few years ago, I was having dinner with one of the luminaries of, of telecom, one of the guys who really brought competition. And I was sitting there listening to him at dinner. He was telling me the story. And I said, this is something we have to capture. And so I went to first write a book, and I couldn't capture the color of the people. And then I decided we should do a movie and start to capture these people and get them on film. But I had never made a movie before. I'm a telecommunications well, lawyer by training and um so I decided to start with a short movie which was zebrafish and my husband i'm married to a neurobiologist who works on zebrafish, which are a very important biomedical model and I felt with where scientific funding is going, it's important to get the message out about um, some models that are perhaps um, more efficient and more cost effective to use uh, animal models so zebrafish as opposed to mice often can save a dramatic amount of money, which means you have the ability to do some additional research, um, which hopefully brings benefits to mankind in terms of for humankind, in terms of new cures and drugs and so forth and so on. So that was my first movie, which really gave me the experience and and put together what I think is a terrific crew. Um, I'm using my same crew, my same production team from that movie, including my writer, my director of photography, my my, uh, producer, my story editor, all come from before, from my last movie to really come and try and bring this story to, to the movies because I think it's so important to hear for some of these people who were there in the early days, of course, none from the days of the first cable landing, but, um, you know, certainly from the, the start of competition and really had a way of bringing it forward. And what lessons can we learn, you know, as a as a global community as we try and increase connectivity wherever you are? I mean, there's still places... Um, in the United Kingdom, for instance, I know, so I'm sure there's places in Ireland that do not have access to broadband connectivity today um, just because of the way that the phone system was laid out.
0: Um, a, so you
1: know, so it's it something that's lar- more important ar- to
0: people. Sorry, I was going to say, there are large areas in Ireland, I know, that there's a, uh, an effort to provide broadband nationally and uh, it is an horrendous task. Um, but on the other end of the cable, I know that um, Canada also had an, uh, an involvement with uh, Newfoundland and Signal Hill. Mm-hmm. And did you make it down there?
1: I did. It was before I was doing my movie, so it's probably five or oh, maybe I five or six years ago at least. Right. Um, that we were in New Finland. So I did get that opportunity, but I I wasn't filming then, so it wasn't such it wasn't as exciting for me at that time.
0: Well I have to tell you, Jennifer, um when I started in the satellite industry I went down on a test call and I made a test call. First test call that I made was from Signal Hill. Oh boy. <laughs> over over MSAT.
1: So. That's wild, that's great. <laughs> it was.
0: It was I thought it was it was nice to be able to go down and do it down there. One of the other questions I have to put to you is that uh, in talking to an awful lot of people in the movie industry, coming up with the financing necessary to do any kind of work has always mm-hmm. been a challenge. <laughs> uh, how did you go about that?
1: So it's interesting. In the first movie, I did self-finance. I had some, you know, some kickstart funding, you know, some you know, web-based funding So you know that I did. Um, this movie's been interesting um, because I've learned, well, one is I've learned a lot from the first movie, but second is... Um we have an incredibly supportive community, so um who I'm primarily looking for for funding is folks in the industry in the telecom industry because they do want to get the story out because it really does help influence um the communities. So I think the good news is um you know well some of it comes from me, and some of it comes from I have another executive producer, um uh, michael Potter um it's also coming from from folks who are in the industry. Um, So we're very, very lucky that we have an industry that wants to see this story brought to the screen.
0: So I guess your ambition or your hope with this one would be that at best, or hopefully you would at least break even, and should the documentary prove to be in any way profitable, it's a real bonus.
1: That's correct, yeah. really looking to break even, and I really wanted to bring the story. I'm very passionate about this subject. I think it's so incredibly important, and it's one of the things that's going to be lost over time. Um, and I think the people who've really helped scope things and the stories that they can tell about their predecessors as well is just so valuable to capture. So I I do think this is an important documentary to have out there.
0: So, Jennifer, the other aspect of your, because of your day job, I know you tend to be incredibly busy, finding time to put something like this together and the amount of hours you would have needed just to um, storyboard it, script it, get into the whole production, and then the editing and delivering the final product. Very demanding.
1: Yeah, I mean, it certainly, it's certainly, it's another, I wouldn't think quite a full-time job, but it's certainly another heavy part, part-time job. But it's something I care deeply about, so I'm willing to put the time in. And I have to say, having the right production crew is invaluable.
0: So I would imagine also, Jennifer, you're now um, hoping to have it on what would be the um, uh, festival circuit, and mm-hmm. the, so how is that coming along? We're
1: still a year away from release. I don't think you'll see the release until early 2020. Okay. So what what, we're, what our schedule is, um, we should have out by the end of the year, early next year, our trailer, which will be a short three-minute trailer to give people a taste. That also helps us, of course, with fundraising um, and also um, just getting word out about it and starting to talk to distribution partners because if no one sees the movie, it doesn't really help. Um and then I think we'll be cutting the film towards the end of next year with a release in early 2020. So probably closer to the next year, we'll be looking at which festivals would be best.
0: Indeed. Well, Jennifer, I want to thank you for taking time. It's been tremendous having a chat and catching up and uh, a fascinating story. And delighted that uh, we do have an, an Irish and a Canadian component to it. <laughs> and the best of luck as you come to full production.
1: So, And thank you so much. I do have to say that was a beautiful part of Ireland to visit, so I was very, very lucky um, to be able to spend some time there and throughout the entire country over the summer. Indeed. And, of course, Canada is someplace I go to more often and is also equally beautiful. Thank you, Jennifer. Okay. Take care, Austin. Thanks, everyone.